Welcome to Disruptors, the podcast for bright sparks fueled by great ideas that have changed the world. In each episode, we chat with some of the most innovative disruptors from our community at the King's Entrepreneurship Institute. We discover how they've used their entrepreneurial skills to develop their ideas for their business ventures, tested those ideas, and compelled others to do the same. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Disruptors. My name is Rachel Stocky. I'm head of entrepreneurial skills at the King's College Institute. Um, so we are here today with Josh Clark, who's one of the co-founders of Jacked Foods, who is currently on the King's 20 Accelerator. Hi, Josh. Hi, everyone. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. Good. Um, could you give us a brief introduction to Jacked Foods, where it came from and what the company does? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, myself and two others, um, Michael and Dill, founded the company in 2018. Uh, it was founded off the back of a trip to Uganda. So we were doing a bit of volunteering um, and out there saw firsthand that a lot of uh, fresh fruit, in particular jackfruit, uh, was, was being left to rot as there was an oversupply of it locally and um, no route to international markets. So uh, we sort of spent the rest of our trip half doing the, the volunteering Monday to Friday and then on weekends trying to, trying to set up Jacked. Um, and we sort of founded the business with, a, with an aim to open up international markets and in dry, selling dried fruit rather than fresh fruit, not only was it easier to, to export because jackfruit in particular is very heavy, um, but also it added value in the, the, the country of origin. So that was Uganda most recently uh, is Tanzania that we source our fruit from. Awesome. That's quite an interesting uh, origin story of it coming out of something that was not expected to start a startup, I imagine, when you went to Uganda for the first time. Yeah, I mean, um, going out to Uganda was not expecting to set up a business, but, um, you know, I think made really good contacts out there, both in terms of the, the, the co-founders, then also on the supply side, uh, met a really great dried fruit supplier, uh, and we managed to meet a lot of the farmers that went on to supply us with, with fruit. That's amazing. So how how far have you come? What, what is jacked in the beginning of 2022? Yeah, so um, at the moment we're we're stocked in places like Selfridges, Ocado, Holland Barrett Online, John Lowe's Food Hall, um, Whole Foods Market. So that's where we're at now. And we've also just um, over the last month launched an online store selling online uh, directly to consumers for the first time. Uh, and then along the way, we sort of we started off the back of the, the trip um, to Uganda. We, we started in food markets, sort of proving that concept, because obviously you have the honeymoon period where you think the business is the best idea in the world. And you're talking to friends and family who are very supportive and obviously think it's a good idea. But ultimately, you need to test it with. Uh, with people that aren't friends and family who, who are um, going to be harsher critics, perhaps. Um, so once we did that, we we got some good feedback and then from then launched into retail uh, and, and since then have been slowly scaling up to where we're at today. Amazing. So I'm interested, particularly in the sustainability aspect of your company and your thoughts as a founder, specifically in that space, because obviously from your description of the origin of the idea came from food waste. And I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about had, was that something that had been on your mind as a, as a problem before you went to Uganda, or was this the first time that you had really gone into this space yourself personally? 
Yeah, so we, um, well, me personally, I, I'm interested in using Jack as a business for good. So under that umbrella, sort of like a lot of things fit. And I think there's lots of things that we can talk about today. You've got like food waste angle, uh, which was, as you mentioned, that was like the, the origin of the story uh, and how we really started the business. And then you've got like environmental, economic sustainability that we can talk about too. They're two things that we sort of actively try and be proponents of. Um, and then also under that sort of business as a force for good agenda, you've got things like supply chain transparency, which is another thing that we're, um, you know, we've got an initiative that we, we can we can talk about later too. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I'm like really interested in businesses as a force for good. And then under that umbrella, you've got a lot of different angles that you can, you know, uh, operate that, that have positive impacts. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to, to talk about any of those. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I guess as your USP for your business is the food waste bit, right? That's what your product is born out of. And then you've got things that sort of underpin the decisions that you make as a company about how you're going to operate that aren't necessarily as uh, obvious to your customers. So how, do you, I guess, at what point in your journey did you decide, actually, no, we want to tackle sustainability on all of these levels, not just the product itself? Yeah, I think it was quite early. And I think, you know, um, when you're starting out as a business, I think, um, well, for us, at least having that shared buy in from each of the co-founders that we, you know, we sat down and we thought, what do, what do you want the business to be? Um, and, you know, we spoke about um, using using it as a force for good, as I've mentioned. And I think that actually is helpful to have those sort of conversations are helpful to have early on because they sort of set your brand identity. And that's not to say that you can't, obviously you can uh, develop, you know, uh, sustainability angles and become a more sustainable business, but actually it's helpful to have at the start because it sort of set our identity and then it becomes, I guess, yeah, it becomes a lens that you look through um, when you're making all business decisions. So uh, it actually becomes like a guiding philosophy if you want to, you know, that sounds a bit pretentious, but ultimately, you know, once you're committed to um, sustainability and sustainability in different ways, then actually a lot of the, the decisions you take after you sort of, you know, consider them and, and it shapes what you do as a business. Are there any examples of those decisions that you've had to make as a business where you you could have opted to do something that was less sustainable and actually because you had that guiding philosophy as you described it it pushed you in a in a different direction so one example would be recyclable packaging so and it's not to say that we've been we've been perfect for um up until the recent uh relaunch our packaging was was non-recyclable um and that was um you know that, that that was something that that was sort of we we it never sat right because we we sort of knew that we wanted to get there. Um, there were a lot quite a lot of barriers to um, to getting there. Not not only in terms of price, but also for, for the type of product we 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 have dried fruits. Um, you need oxygen and water, um, uh, good protection against against what uh, water and and oxygen. So actually. Um, I guess that was, you know, that was one thing that we we knew from the start that whilst when we first started out, it wasn't very feasible to, to move to recyclable packaging. Um, we weren't able to, to meet the MOQs, the minimum order quantities for recyclable packaging options. So we, you know, we stuck with a, a non-recyclable option 
you know, uh, the first product that we took to food markets was a, a basic pouch with a with a label that we had mocked up. But then it was always very much, you know, we 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 were all bought into the idea that we needed to to move to recyclable packaging eventually. I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think there's a lot of um, it's making me think at the moment around the sort of cancel culture that's happening at the moment. And as soon as you kind of say we want to be a sustainable company, suddenly people come at you with like, well, this bit of your company isn't sustainable therefore you're not doing the right thing and actually there's a lot of companies that aren't doing anything (laughs) and it's like surely taking steps in the right direction is better than not doing anything at all and I think that's quite interesting about the you know we had something that wasn't quite up to the vision of what we wanted it to be but we tackled it when it was the right point to be able to do that for the business are there other things that you think are kind of aspirational for you guys at the moment of things that you would like to be able to do that you're not quite there yet yeah, so through the the King's Twenty program, we've been been looking at um, hopefully becoming a B Corp, um, and that uh, and with that, um, you know that 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 looks right across the business and um, looks beyond sustainability. It looks at things like governance and 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 areas that I guess we had not fully uh, formalized. I guess so. So I think that really highlighted that a lot of our a lot of our work was was informal so we had like you know we had done some workings out of like our emissions and um uh going back to the governance point you know like we had um informal uh meetings with uh, with us with ourselves as co-founders and investors but actually formalizing that process and making sure that you have um recorded documents so that you know if anything happened uh if one of the founders dropped off or we got new people in it's actually ingrained into the company culture and com- company documents. Um, but yeah, I think the, the one thing that we're we're really um, hoping to to get towards is that B Corp. And I think one of the main barriers is 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 that yeah, formalizing some processes that are um, you know informal at the moment. Uh, and there are areas that we that we will need to continue to improve on, especially around um, governance and and building out our um things like our methodology for our um emissions claims and stuff like that that's interesting i think there's yeah the b corp thing i think is becoming a lot more popular now i think people are paying attention to it more you know and a broader understanding of sustainability and ethics as a whole i think people often think about sustainability just as climate action when actually it covers a whole raft of different things in the way that society and the planet is supported right across the board so I think that's um, really interesting I wonder about going back to what you were talking about as one of the elements of sustainability for you specifically is around your supply chain and what were the kind of early steps that you needed to take to set up right from you know we've recognized that there's a lot of waste food on the ground to right through to how you end up with it being packaged on a shelf in the UK what was the kind of process you had to go through to get to a sustainable supply chain for your business yeah so with uh so we we did it in two stages really so I I um I mentioned earlier that when we founded the business we were out in in Uganda and that gave us the opportunity to to meet um uh a lot of the farmers and the and the, and the fruit supplier that was going to supply us for for the next uh, year or two, and then most recently we've we've changed suppliers um, and, uh, and and we've moved to a, a fruit supplier in Tanzania, and we went out there and again sort of met the manufacturer, um, 
you know lo talk talk to the local communities try to gauge like the um what kind of business we were potentially um you know going to do business with um we also managed to meet a lot of the farmers that um supply us with fruit now and again just sort of um informally having those conversations and and you know kind of like a q a but actually just trying to understand their relationship with the fruit supplier um you know making sure that they're supported to grow as as small small um small farm farm owners um so i guess that that's one element of it and then the other specifically around like traceability is um a an initiative that we've set up recently in partnership with what three words um so what three words for for listeners uh, if you don't know it's like a uh, a UK tech mapping co a company that they basically take the world and start, divide it into three by three meters squared, giving each um, square a unique three word um, three word address. So, for example, uh, one is like pave dot image dot wrench, um, and that's one. Uh, and if you sort of go on the, the map and, and enter that in, you'll be taken to the spot in Tanzania where the jackfruit that um, in, is in our pouches is grown. Um, so that's another another sort of um, element of the the wider sort of supply chain traceability angle. That's really cool. I didn't know you'd done that as a as a partnership. That's a really interesting idea as a way to be able to make the you know what I was saying before about you know if it's part of your USP of your business you come you make your customers really aware of that right you know we're saving food from going to waste etc but the the supply chain part of it is often less visible so being able to do something like that where they can actually you know zoom into the place where it's grown I think that's a really cool idea I wonder from your perspective we've got a lot of businesses that are just about to go through the idea factory which is our early stage business idea competition that are literally at the sort of early validation stage around their idea some of them are building products or services that are rooted in sustainability like yours but others that the product or service isn't specifically for that but we still want to be encouraging them to think about their business operations and sustainability and how that might be embedded into their company culture as you've been talking about what advice would you give to those people that are just starting out of the things that they can do really early on, as you said, to kind of set that as part of the way that their company operates. Yeah, so I think, um, I guess one would be like, try and, and it sounds kind of like counterintuitive, but um, try and like future-proof your sustainability initiatives uh, and efforts. So what do I mean by that? Like consumers are getting more and more, you know, it's becoming more and more important for consumers to, um, to buy from sustainable brands, and that's that's something that we've we've definitely seen change massively over the last few years. And you touched on it earlier about you know uh, consumers are, are pressing businesses more and more to to understand what they're they're doing and what lies behind their sustainability claims. So I think with that in mind, it's only going to get more important. So the starting point should be, regardless of whether you know as a founder it's something that you're passionate about or not. I think you operating in the uh, in the time we are you have to reach like probably uh, starting out a, a minimum level of sort of sustainability and then i think my advice would be like do, do try and try and match the initiatives or efforts that, that that you do through the business to your interests like i think for for me it's been an 
especially with the supply chain transparency stuff and working with what three words that was something that interested me anyway so it was like a, it was a win-win it was good for business good for consumers and and really interesting uh and something that i'm you know passionate about so if you can find that um that area that that sort of joins up those different things um then it's going to mean that you're going to be a lot more committed to it um and it's going to interest you and, and really um add value to you know to yourself as well amazing have you been able to sort of i'm wondering about the sort of tracking and reporting side of the business are you are there ways that you sort of are able to track and measure the positive impact that you've been able to have as a company in terms of amount of food saved from going to waste or other metrics that you might use to be able to really simply define the amount of impact that you've had yeah so this is something that we're looking to um to to do more of and i think this is part of like uh, as we look to become a b corp these are the type of things that we'll be looking to to evidence um so we've we you know we have some some basic idea of uh, of like um well for, first of all f- food waste reduction but then also things like um in the farms that we are supplied within tanzania um they for example use like rainwater uh where they can and they use um solar panels rather than um uh you know for, so, so solar panels for energy so, so there's a few different things there that we would like to start um getting a better idea of just how much we're we're sort of saving so at the moment that's not something that we have well evidence but um you know as we as we push on and hopefully look to become a b corp i think it's something that you'll uh, hopefully see more of for, from us awesome um, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit you might not have one off the top of your head I'm just wondering if there's other companies that you sort of look to as good examples around sustainability or people that you've noticed are doing quite interesting things in this space that are slightly different from what you guys are doing or just general sort of idols is probably the wrong word but role models I guess in the sustainability space um good question I mean outside of like retail which is uh well outside of like food i think uh patagonia is um you know uh, a great company and um uh, i think it let my people go surfing is the the title of the book by the founder uh i read that a few years ago and was like really inspired by how it goes back to that point of like using using business as a, as a force for good and um i don't know so much about their um you know what whether they run initiatives or something, but their, their ethos of like, um, uh, you know, I think you can still send products that have, um, uh, have, have, have sort of, you know, got holes in or whatever, and they'll still repair them. And, and that idea of uh, reuse rather than replacing is something that, um, yeah, really resonates with me. And yeah, I think Patagonia as a company is great. Awesome. The other thing I'm really interested in is how you embed the kind of culture and the vision and the mission within your team and who sort of takes ownership of it because I'm thinking for a company where they've got as an early stage founder you've got a million and one things to do right and a million and one different priorities that for a company who again might not have a service or product where like that is our sustainability effort because our product is specifically in that area how does a team divide up the responsibility to take care of it does it sit with one individual person how does the ownership for you guys work within your team to make sure that you're kind of staying close to that mission and do you have any words of wisdom for teams that are just sort of getting started or, or potentially solo founders who are trying to do, do everything 
at once? Yeah, so I think for us, it was fairly straightforward in that we uh, we, we, we had a lot of time uh, together um, whilst we were founding, whilst we're actually setting up the business. We had a lot of time to think about like what we wanted the business to be. And we are very aligned on on that. Um, so I think that's that's helpful. It would have been a lot, you know, it would have been a lot more challenging had, you know, one or two of us been been less um, interested in that angle. But actually, all three of us are. And, and once once um, you know, once we decided what we want the business to be and 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 have that and to have that sustainable sustainable angle, then um, you know, from that from that starting point, a lot of the other decisions just came. Um, you know, came about with with sustainability in mind. Um, in terms of words words of wisdom, I think just trying to have that conversation, especially in teams, have that conversation early because it is it is very important. And when I said earlier about like um, making decisions through the lens of of sustainable sustainability or or using a business for good, you know that those are there will be times that you will you know have to pay more for a, a um, for, for a type of packaging or you know make decisions that may not be um uh, may not be the cheapest option but you you take them because of the the uh, sustainability consideration so having those conversations with co-founders early and trying to sort of align early on is it will inevitably sort of help compared to having that those conversations further down the line awesome yeah i think it's really interesting and i think the it i guess it's different different for the teams where it's really obvious that sustainability is one of your kind of key pillars, like I was saying, because when you come to grow and bring on potentially more employees, you would hope that they're already sort of signed up to that because they want to work for jacked fruit foods. You would hope they've got an investment in, you know, food waste or, you know, sustainability generally in food and beverage and those sorts of things. But I guess it's the, how do you keep that culture and keep that as a core pillar as your company grows have you had any thoughts around, you know, at what point you're going to need to bring on team members and how you're going to ensure they come on with a similar ethos? Yeah, so this goes back to what I was saying earlier about like formalizing documents. So we've we've sort of started um, to write down like our mission statement more. Um, we're looking to add it to the website, for example, over the next couple of weeks um, and really like trying to, like I was saying earlier, like, like as, as we take on new employees or if if anything happened to one of us then actually you'd want to have those documents in place so that people know okay this is like uh, this is the type of business that that I'm I'm going to work in um and I think there's quite a, a good example of like I think it was innocent smoothies when they ultimately sold out I think a lot of the um company uh, ethos was enshrined in in documentation so when they were by, bought by a big corporate a lot of that um that ethos was sort of um, protected. Yeah, I guess the other part of, of scaling, especially in your businesses, the more the more products you sell, the more those products are going to have to be shipped from Tanzania to the UK. And that, how do you tackle the movement costs of a product like yours and that impact on potential environment? Have you thought about that and the kind of offsetting or like what are the options when you're thinking about a product and the the movement? Uh, of those sorts of things and the emissions and things that come out of that yeah so with a uh you know an exotic dried fruit you know there's um you're ultimately gonna have to import it you know we don't have jackfruit uh growing in the uk so um you're basically left with like air freight or sea freight 
um, air freight is worse for the environment, much quicker, um, and about a little bit more expensive. Sea freight, um, better for the environment, um, but you know, it could potentially take like two months to arrive um, with clearances and stuff, whereas air freight would be one or two weeks. Um, so we're, 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 we're really looking to go um, for sea freight for all of our um, packaging through everything uh, that we import. We're looking to move towards that. We're not quite there yet, um, but that's like, a, you know, that comes down to like being able to forward plan a bit better and actually as we hopefully scale and we know a bit more about where our orders are coming from and when we'll be able to say, okay, we need uh, X amount of fruit or X number of pouches in the UK by this day. If we order it, you know, uh, over two or three months in advance, then we'll be able to use the, 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 the options that are better for the environment. Uh, and in terms of sort of offsetting, we, we, we plant a pouch for each, um, we plant a tree for each pouch we sell, just get that the right way around. Um, so um, that's, that's our, you know, we, we do it because we want to sort of help to reverse deforestation, but then ultimately like as a business that helps to, to sort of offset and, and puts, pushes us into being like a carbon negative company. That's awesome. Uh, my last question for you is, you said you had a bit of a, a relaunch towards the end of 2021 and you've launched a sort of new product line. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what, what you, what is available for customers from you guys at the moment? Yeah, sure. So um, as I mentioned, so over the last few years, we've been, we started in food markets and um, scaled into some retail stores and across the way, we've just been sort of playing around with different flavor combinations, different, different fruits. Um, and the, the, the new range um, is fully like naturally flavored, we say. So basically the concept is dried fruit with a twist. So we add juices and spices, natural juices and spices to, to fresh fruit in the drying process to create products, you know, like jackfruit with lemon and lime, uh, pineapple with grapefruit, mango with lime uh, and banana with cinnamon. Um, and yeah, each of the new range comes in a fully recyclable pouch, under 110 calories, vegan, gluten-free. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we've been working on this new product range now for, for about 80, 18 months and you know, it's finally with us. We had a few delays in 2021, but finally uh, out there with customers and um, yeah, like a really exciting time for us. Cause I think uh, we're really happy with the, where the product is. And I think, you know, this is hopefully where we can start um, getting into those supermarkets and those multi-chain retailers, which, which is where we want to go into 2022. Fab. And a, a bit of a longer horizon. Where's, where's jacked fruits in like five years time? Uh, hopefully expanded into like uh, flavoured nuts, maybe some uh, sort of vegan protein bars, uh, still in the snack space. But I think with um, under the sort of um, themes of like fruit, fruit based and um, yeah, basically uh, I can imagine like fruit and nut based snacks is, is where we see it. But um, and then really expanding the, the direct consumer channel. Um, I think like the Grey's model is something that's that's great. And if we could go to that uh, space where we have like a, a big uh, following that we sell directly to online, there'll be opportunities to sort of try different weird and wonderful flavor combinations. And that's that's the sort of place we want to get to. Awesome. Sounds like, uh, like Heston Blumenthal inspired snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I like it <laughs> in, the, in the fruit world. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. One last thing, if 
people want to get their hands on your product, they can now do that directly, right? What's the website they can, where they can, they can find it? Yeah, so www.jackedfoods.co.uk. So J-A-C-K-E-D, foods with an S, .co.uk. Amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been really insightful. Uh, so thank you very much. I'm sure lots of people have got a lot of information out of it. Thank you very much for having me on. Really enjoyed it. No worries. Cheers, Josh. To find out more about the Entrepreneurship Institute, visit www.kcl.ac.uk forward slash entrepreneurship.